This is Sandia Sashadri, and you are listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. I have an awesome guest here today, Sandia Shishadri, who's an entrepreneur, consultant, owner-operator of Multifamily for You, and she's also a general partner, a limited partner in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But not only does she do all those things, she's also a wife and a wonderful mom in Texas. So welcome, Sandia. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Appreciate the uh, invite. Yeah, I'm so glad that we found a mutual time that works for the both of us to bring you on the show. And with all that being said, we are back again with the Kiss Me segment. We're going to get to know you a little bit better by asking some questions to kind of warm you up before we get into your first deal. So with that said, Sandia, what was your first album that you purchased? Duran Duran. Really? Yes, I'm an 80s gal. Oh, cool. All right. And was that on cassette or it was, it was on CD? CD back then? Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So the next question is, what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate? I think lack of awareness that I could get into real estate, even though I was not a handy person who can you know, fix things uh, around the house. I realized that with multifamily, I'm more of an asset manager and not a hands-on handy person to do fix and flips. So it's a very different skill set needed for it. Oh, that is a great point. Nobody has ever mentioned that, you know, that they have to be handy in order to get into real estate. But you would think or assume that someone is handy and that's why they want to get into it. So, yeah. The lack of construction background stopped me from getting into any single family because I felt like I would get that call from a resident uh, to fix a leaky toilet on Thanksgiving Day and I would lose all my money paying a plumber, you know, if I so Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to have that intimate knowledge of how to fix things and have an idea of how much things cost. Otherwise, doing a fix and flip or running a single family rental that is self-managed and maintained by me just wasn't going to work. Yeah, that's a great point. And so this next question talks a little bit about the pandemic so what is something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you we just realized the power of virtually connecting through social media and doing things like even like happy hour right i used to want to socialize and see people all the time so we just met like a social gathering at 5 p.m one afternoon with a glass of wine in our hands and we just chatted except it was all through zoom and that was so nice because otherwise I only thought of Zoom as, okay, I have a business meeting, so I got to log in with people who don't live near me versus Zoom is also just for fun. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. So would you host events or you would just mm-hmm. attend? Both. So virtual happy hours were a thing for us to relax, not feel so stressed out, just ask about how things are going and get to know more people that way. Instead yeah. of, you know, the lack of conferences stopping us from, you know, mingling and getting to really build connections. So we were able to do that even through COVID. 
Oh, that's great. When you say we, do you mean you and your husband or? No, just me and friends across, right, who you know as Facebook friends or LinkedIn friends, etc. We formed groups, whether it was women's group or groups of entrepreneurs or a book club and things like that. We found a way to make it all happen virtually. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And finally, what is your favorite quote? Success leaves clues. So copy the people who are doing what you want to be doing and don't take advice from people who haven't done it before. That has been such a hard one for me to learn is don't take advice from people who are not doing it. That's right. I mean, let's just say that I weighed 300 pounds and I was five foot two. Would you come to me for personal training, right? It's the same thing. You're not. I mean, I got to look like an athlete and I got to look all lean and fit before you're going to come train with me. It's the same thing when it comes to advice about real estate. Take it from somebody who's done it. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. So with that all being said, we kind of got to know you a little bit better. We learned that you like those Zoom happy hours. So you're based in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Like where exactly? I'm in North Dallas area. It's a city called Richardson. I used to live in Plano, which is another northern suburb in Dallas. Uh, but basically, I've lived here for over 32 years. So this is my market. This is where I know uh, my streets, my neighborhoods, the high crime areas, the cool areas, etc. So nowadays, it doesn't take me very long to underwrite a deal because once I see the address, I already know whether I want to be invested in a property in that location or not. So I don't have to underwrite 200 deals before I find the one that I want. I already know, okay, these are my favorite locations. This is what I don't want. Mm, So are you primarily uh, investing in Texas? Oh, in Dallas, not even other parts of Texas. All my deals are within like a 30-minute drive of my house. Wow. (laughs) So very hyper-local. Yep, very hyper-local focused. Oh, that's great. So you are the expert of Dallas. I like to believe that, yes. Yeah, cool. Um, So tell us, what was your first deal in real estate? My very first deal was a passive deal. I had worked in the corporate world before, so I had retirement money from there. And I used that money to invest passively in someone else's deal, which was also in the local Dallas area, which is where I wanted to eventually buy my own deal. And passive investing is a great way to get to know sponsors, to see what they do, to read those reports closely, et cetera, and understand the business without taking on all the risk. So I did not have to sign a loan. I did not have to put hard money down. I didn't have to worry about whether or not my construction cost estimates were accurate. None of that works, right? So as a newbie, all I did was I made sure the deal is solid, the underwriting was reasonably good, and the operator, which is the most important thing, right? That the sponsor actually was local, knew this area, knew the market, had picked a good deal. And I was also part of a mentoring program. So I knew that other coaches had looked at this deal and saw this to be a good deal. So that was very important to me. But I also invested with retirement money. And that's really important to remember in real estate is that money is illiquid. You can't just cash it two months later because you need money like the stock market or something else. So when it's retirement money, I wasn't counting on it for a very long time. So it was fine if they were going to, you know, hold the money for five years or six years for that matter. So that was the way I got over the hump of, oh, my gosh, I'm trusting somebody else with $50,000 of my hard-earned money. I mean, my base salary was like $35,000 in my first job. So 50 k was a lot of money to have saved up in retirement to eventually invest with somebody else. So that's how I got over that hump. And then since I was also part of this mentoring program, 
I was able to find other operators who have the experience and the background to run a deal. So I wanted to go in sort of like offer my time and services as an intern, get paid like an intern, but learn and do anything that they wanted me to do because they were located out of state, but I was in Dallas and they were looking to get into the Dallas market. This was their first deal in Texas. So I was able to assist them by being useful here locally while they were sort of the brains behind all the strategies. I would show up every time a vendor came to the property, et cetera. And so I learned a lot of hands-on asset management in those two years that we held the deal. So it was a win-win situation both ways. And so the biggest thing I tell people who want to buy their own first multifamily and by my first deal, I mean, like this was 86 doors over six point seven five million dollars kind of purchase. So it's definitely a syndicated deal. So to be able to take other people's money, um, it's better to have at least one experienced person in your team. So you're not taking a big risk with that. And that was my first general partnership syndicated deal. Oh, wow. So. Um, you said that your first LP deal, so your, okay, so you kind of talked about the first limited partnership that you were in, and then you transitioned into the multifamily deal. So uh, kind of unpack to us, like, how did you feel comfortable or what were things that you looked out for in that initial deal that you invested the $50,000 in? Like, you know, you said that you joined a mentorship program. So were the people who you invested with part of that program also, or did you have... Yes. So I knew how deals had to be underwritten. So I had the textbook knowledge and I made sure there were coaches who had properties in the local area, independent, unbiased coaches had reviewed mm-hmm. the deal and said it was a solid deal. And only then the deal can be promoted for, you know, raising money from limited partners within the group. So that's one of the things I also drove to the property. So they told me the address. I went with them. I walked around the property, etc. So that's the comfort I needed to feel um, okay with parting with that kind of large money. I had never done such a large investment into one thing before like that, you know, the stock market, you know, you put 2K, 3K kind of money. So to put 50K into one deal was a big step for me. So I had to meet the sponsors, get to know them well, make sure the deal was very well underwritten. And then I had to actually see the property for myself. And like I said, I invested with retirement money that I wasn't counting on in the near future. So it didn't affect my day-to-day cash flow as far as you know my household expenses and things like that so the that's how i got over the hump and did my first passive deal but as far as my first active deal as a newbie with no experience um, the way you get partnered with people with experiences you figure out a way to add value to them you figure out why they should take you on so in my case i was willing to give my time i was a boots on the ground i was a local dallas expert and i was willing to give my time to do any of the work they wanted while they were sort of the strategists and the brain behind the operations to make sure everything was done correctly. And I learned a tremendous amount from that over those two years that we held the property. So now I'm a general partner. I'm the lead now. I bring on newbies and uh, it's been a fantastic business. So how did you find the, so the, what was the time period between being a limited partner to general partner? About seven months. Okay, so then your first deal that you invested passively was also in Dallas. Yeah, in Dallas, in the same market, in the same area, a place I could drive to and check on anytime I wanted. So if they said they were replacing the roof or putting new signage or painting the property, I could just drive by and check on it and say, oh, you really did what you said you did in the, in the monthly report. 
So that was a feeling of comfort I needed. It's the whole trust but verify concept. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. And so after that experience, like when did you decide, you know, okay, now I want to try this. Like Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable and I want to do this myself. Yeah, but I didn't do it myself. I partnered with people with experience because I was sort of taking other people's money. And you got to respect that. You got to be very responsible for that. You know, it's not money I can just pay back. I think our first race was like in the tune of two and a half million dollars. So that's not money I have sitting in the bank and I can just pay somebody back if the deal fails. Right. So I had to make sure I went with experienced people the first time that, you know, we dotted the I's and crossed the T's and double checked and triple checked everything. And then I'd be at the property on a weekly basis and I still have that habit. So all my active deals, I'm on my property at least once a week in person. And if I can't make it because of my travels, then one of my partners is there. So no matter how much you love and trust your property management companies, at the very least, I drive by and I get a feel for how things are going. I don't want to disturb them around the first of the month, but it's just as important for me because there's no way I can pay back my limited partners all their money. I just don't have that kind of money. So Mm. the property has to do well, has to be very successful. Things have to be executed on time. Um, for us to be able to return money back to our limited partners and meet the projections that we told them at the beginning. That is so important because if you don't do that, people like to talk about all the bad deals, right? Negative stuff is what gets talked about. The positive stuff is like, oh, that's fine. You did great and they're happy and they'll tell you, but oh, the bad stuff, everybody will hear about it. So, you know, one bad deal can ruin your reputation. So you want to be very careful when it involves other people's monies. You don't just want to say, I'm going to do my best. Well, that's great, but you don't know what you don't know if you're getting into something brand new. So if the economy is great and things are going fine, that's awesome. But today we're in, you know, August of 2022, bridge loan, right? Your rates have gone up if you have a bridge loan. Do you still have the capacity to cash flow your property when your mortgage just went up 10 or 20K a month, right? Or are those deals getting squeezed now? So that's the kind of wisdom you would get from an experienced partner being in your team or coaches reviewing your underwriting in your team. So those steps have to be taken very, very seriously. So the difference is, you know, I'm a mom, so I tend to be more cautious anyway, because I know what it's like. I have to save for my kids kind of mentality. But also I've been in the workforce. I've realized what it takes to make that one dollar. You know, I realized what it took for me to earn my 35K salary, right? My first job. So for somebody to trust me with 50,000 kind of money, that's a very big deal. So you've got to treat it very carefully. You've got to really double check and triple check your numbers. Got to make sure your property management is doing what they say they will do and have your checks and balances in place, you know? This is not the time to say, oh, I can do anything. Well, I believe I can do anything, but guess what? I'm going to have some experts on the team. I'm going to go to experts anytime I even sense a little bit of trouble, right? Because it's other people's millions of dollars. Yeah, that's a great point and Mm -hmm. a good reminder that Mm -hmm. even if you don't have all of the necessary skills you that you treat your investors well Mm because your reputation will always precede you always one bad deal is all it takes and everybody will know it's a small world (laughs) yeah no kidding so um if you could go back in time right like and do this all over what would be one piece of advice that you would give yourself i wish i had double down and done this faster and done more deals 
because you know if you look at the pricing from 2018 2019 to 2022 like there was a lot of good deals with a lot of low prices and now i was a little too cautious almost and i could have done a little bit more with the help of coaches and mentors so i wish i had done it a little faster i also wish i had more confidence because a lot of my skill set as an engineer in the corporate world were very easily transferable here this work is a lot simpler in terms of the complexity of the math if you will so it's not as tough and hard to figure out or complex to figure out it's more the tenacity and the commitment is what wins here versus you know so i wish i had more confidence right from the beginning and trusted myself too because my instincts were right on every time i sensed trouble yeah there was trouble or every time i felt like this was going to be great it went great so now i have a lot more confidence um, a lot of my deals have gone well so and my distributions have been going nonstop so that confidence is there now so that's what i would say is work harder and get more done faster because again now that we're in fall of 2022 kind of time window this is an amazing time to be in real estate so if you're just getting started don't sit in the sidelines give yourself a deadline within the next 30 days i'm going to get educated i'm going to figure out what all of the risks i see are write them all out make a list and get educated so within 30 days i have all the information i need to make an informed decision right don't just drift and postpone because a year from today you will wish you had started earlier and real estate hands down if you look at history for the last 50 years 60 years is going to beat the stock market every time unless you're an active trader totally timing the market and being able to do that successfully i'm talking about all of us putting money randomly with our eyes closed into 401k's where it sits there languishing in some mutual fund that we have no idea about and we don't have to do that we could instead put that money into a self directed ira uh, or a solo 401k and put that money into real buildings real assets because real estate typically most deals i have seen they project at least you know doubling your money every 5 years and we're not even mentioning the tax advantages and all of that in real estate this is purely from appreciation and cash flow you're going to easily get a 20% average annualized return because you have the power of leverage when you buy a stock you're paying full price for that stock when you buy real estate you're only putting 25% down so even the property value only goes up by 5% you're actually making four times that return because you only put one fourth down and you're still getting the appreciation so the power of leverage in real estate um we're becoming more of a renters nation now um every person from a lifestyle perspective whether it's the millennials the aging baby boomers etc they all want to rent rather than own because of the hassles of home ownership also because of inflation and other things going on interest rates going up etc home ownership is getting a little bit harder to do so maybe 20 years ago you could own a house in your mid 20s or something now it's becoming more into your 30s and just by lifestyle so really there's more and more renters and then when you look at supply versus demand there is just so much more demand than supply especially in the sunbelt states so we're talking about all the places where you have tailwinds meaning all the population migration jobs diversity of jobs people everything is happening in certain areas people are moving out of the new yorks out of the california illinois etc towards your phoenix your texas your nashville atlanta florida carolinas right so these are specific markets where you're seeing an increase in business 
increase in population, increase in money, everything is flowing to these areas. So if you're not in real estate in one of these areas, you're definitely missing out on one of the greatest opportunities we have in our lifetime. Yeah, that is a great point. Thank you for sharing that with the 402. Um, and so if they want to learn more about you and get in touch with you, what's the best way that someone could reach out to you? They could find me through you, Caroline, because you're the one who brought me here to your show. But they can definitely visit my website, multifamilyforyou.com, where it's multifamily, number four, com. And they can put their name and email address and send me a short message. And uh, we can connect from there. I'm also easy to find on LinkedIn as well as Facebook. Those are the two most active platforms that you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sandia, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the honor. You are awesome. Love your show. Thanks. 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal, shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show. 402, thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I will see you next Friday. Bye.